You are listening to Revival Talk. I'm Pastor Terry Bailey, and I want to thank you for joining me today. The message is from a recent radio program, and it's entitled The Gift of Forgiveness. For more information about our ministry, go to revivaltalk.org. Well, good morning and welcome to Spiritual Mind, Spiritual You. I'm Pastor Terry Bailey and I'm setting in today for Dr. Pauline Hughes. I want to give a shout out to she and Ronnie and thank them for the opportunity to come and join you on the radio. And I want to read our foundational scripture this morning and then we're going to get into the word and talk about forgiveness. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. I beseech you therefore, brethren, By the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Well, this morning, I want to talk to you for a few moments about the gift of of forgiveness. And I want to approach forgiveness not from the standpoint of us forgiving others, and we must forgive others if we are going to be forgiven. Unforgiveness can cause all kinds of sickness in our body, cause all kinds of uh, issues for us to deal with. But I want to talk about it from the aspect of how God forgives us. Our text is found in 1 John 1 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. As spirit-filled, full gospel believers, we believe in miracles. We rejoice when we hear a testimony of a miraculous healing or divine intervention that changed adverse circumstances for an individual. We believe that God is powerful. We believe miracles, signs, and wonders, and the gifts of the Spirit are for our benefit today. I don't know about you, but I believe the words of Hebrew 13.8, where it says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The scriptures record miracles of nature, healing, deliverance, and provision. Jesus performed many miracles. He opened blinded eyes. He made the lame to walk. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. We serve a miracle-working God. And it's wonderful to rehearse the many mighty miracles God has worked. But what is the greatest miracle? Well, the greatest miracle is salvation. The greatest miracle takes place when a sinner confesses their sins and prays to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. In Luke 19, 10, Jesus gave us a glimpse of his mission. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. The greatest miracle takes place when we're delivered out of the kingdom of darkness and conveyed into the kingdom of God. At salvation, we're redeemed from the marketplace of sin. The apostle Peter wrote in 1 Peter 2, verse 10, concerning what happens when we experience the miracle of salvation. He says, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Every miracle is to be celebrated, but the greatest miracle is celebrated in heaven when a sinner prays to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. Luke 15, 10, likewise I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. 
Forgiveness is mentioned 124 times in the Bible. The first time is in Genesis 50:17, when Joseph's brothers beg him, please forgive the trespasses of the servants of the God of your father. The brothers had mocked Joseph, ridiculed him, and sold him into slavery. Now they came begging for mercy. Joseph's response was one of true forgiveness. It's recorded in Genesis chapter 50, verse 19 through 20. But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. The New Living Translation says, Am I God to judge and punish you? As far as I'm concerned... God turned into good what you meant for evil. The last time forgiveness is mentioned is in 1 John 1, 9, when God promises if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. These verses in Genesis 50, 17 and 1 John 1, 9 represent two sides of forgiveness, giving and receiving, and two types of forgiveness, human and divine. What is it that makes us different as believers from unbelievers in the world? We are forgiven. We are recipients of the grace and mercy of our Lord. I love the words of 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. When Jesus sent out the seventy, in Luke 10, they came back rejoicing, saying that even the demons were subject to us in your name. But listen to what Jesus says to them in Luke chapter 10, verse 20. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. This morning, for the next few minutes, I want to speak to you about what it means to experience and receive the gift of forgiveness. I simply have two thoughts in this message forgiveness defined and forgiveness demonstrated. So what is forgiveness? How do we define it? Dr. Frank Damasio defines forgiveness. He says forgiveness is pardoning an offender so that he is considered and treated not guilty. It is to stop blaming others for something they have done. To forgive is to give up the power and desire to punish. He continues in his writings. He says the various Hebrew words for forgiveness stress the idea of wiping out or blotting out the memory of the sin, covering or concealing it. It can mean bestowing pardon on the basis of a substitute who takes the punishment. The Greek carries the connotation of forgiveness as setting free or liberating someone for prison, canceling their debt, and letting them go as if they had not committed a crime. It carries the concept of grace. I don't know if I fully grasp the full meaning of the grace of our Lord. John Stott writes, Grace is love that cares and stoops and rescue. I found this definition of grace. Grace is the love of God shown to the unlovely, the peace of God given to the restless, the unmerited favor of God. Now, grace and favor are really translated from the same word. Grace is the gift of God. And grace is more than just unmerited favor in the sense of amazing grace. It's very much that. But grace is also the power in our lives to live the overcoming life. We have grace. We have that favor that God gives us that empowers us to live the resurrected life. So we experience forgiveness through the blood that Jesus shed when he gave up his life. Hebrews 9.22, and according to the law, almost all things are purified with blood. And without shedding of blood, there is no remission. 
Colossians 1.14, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. The word remission and forgiveness are synonymous terms. It refers to a sending back, a putting away. The Bible Cyclopedia Index says that forgiveness is an act of pardon. Listen to Isaiah 43, 25. I, even I, the Lord, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. When we experience forgiveness, God blots out the transgressions that are on our record. Hallelujah. In Isaiah 55, verse 7, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. I love those words. He will abundantly pardon. Listen to this verse from the New Living Translation. Let the wicked change their ways and banish the very thought of doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord that he may have mercy on them. Yes, turn to our God, for he will forgive generously. I had a lady one time that came and told me that there were certain sins that God could not forgive. There were certain people that God would not forgive. I said, oh, but listen, my Bible says this. He saves to the uttermost. He reaches to the person who's in great bondage. He reaches to that one that's in sin. And listen, there's no top 10 sins in God's list. Sin is sin. Sin violates the law of God and God will pardon us. And here's the definition of a pardon. If you commit some type of crime in our state, after you've served your time and after so many years, you've proven yourself to have been rehabilitated, you can apply to the state for a pardon and they will issue you a pardon. Now, what that means is they take your record and they move it from one file and they put it into another file. But when Jesus pardons us, that record is ripped to shreds. It is no longer in the filing cabinet. He takes it and he casts it into what we call the sea of forgetfulness. I found this definition of pardon and it simply means to forgive. Listen to the word Pardon from the Merriam-Webster Dictionary. To absolve from the consequences of a fault or crime. To allow an offense to pass without punishment. Forgive. To relieve of a penalty improperly assessed. Jeremiah 33.8 I will cleanse them from all their iniquity by which they have sinned against me. And I will pardon all their iniquities by which they have sinned and by which they have transgressed against me. Colossians 2.13 And you being dead... In your sins, you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Forgiveness means that God puts away our sins. Listen to the words of Hebrews 9:26. But then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. When you are pardoned, your record is wiped totally clean. The mark against you is removed. Now, most of us have heard the words forgive and forget. Man forgives, but does not forget. The enemy does not forget. He reminds us of our past sins and mistakes. Micah 7, 18 and 19 says, God pardons us with delight. Who is a God like you? pardoning iniquity, and passing over the transgression of the remnant of his heritage. He does not retain his anger forever 
because he delights in mercy. He will again have compassion on us and will subdue our iniquities. He will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. Martin Luther once dreamed that the devil was unrolling a large scroll and reading his sins off one by one. He reached the end of the scroll and Martin Luther asked, is that all? Oh no, the devil replied and began reading a second scroll. He finished reading that one and again Luther questioned, is that all? The devil laughed and began reading a third scroll. But finally he finished the third scroll and had no more. And in his dream, Luther exclaimed triumphantly, quick, write on each of them, the blood of Jesus Christ, God's son, cleanses us from all sin. I have come with good news this morning. What is the good news? There are no more scrolls for the devil to read. When God forgives, he wipes the slate completely clean. Hebrews 10, 16 and 17. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds I will write them. Then he adds their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Their sins and their lawless deeds, I will remember no more. Man may not forget, the enemy may not forget, but God will remember our sins and lawless deeds no more. That's good news today, my friend, that Jesus Christ died for us. And forgiveness means he totally wipes the slate completely clean. The moment we receive Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are born again by his spirit. We are placed into the family of God. We who were not a people are now the people of God. We are the chosen of the Lord. And when he comes and he touches us, he gives us a new heart. And the enemy may come and remind you of your past. He may come and rehearse sins and mistakes and missteps that you have made in your life. He may come to torture you and torment you. But all you have to tell him is simply this, the words of Romans 8.1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Give you an illustration. Some years ago, I was standing on a platform getting ready to preach. We were worshiping. There was worship in the house and the Lord was moving. And as I got ready, to, to go get up and minister, the enemy came to me and he said, you haven't prayed enough this week. You haven't studied enough this week. You're not consecrated enough. And it's, I just started hearing all that barrage in my ear, the enemy whispering in my ear. And for a moment, I felt the condemnation of that. And then it's like the Holy Spirit just gave me a revelation. And I said, you're right. I haven't studied enough. I haven't prayed enough. I haven't measured up. Devil, I'm not standing here clothed in my righteousness today. I'm standing here clothed in the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know how we pray enough or read and study the word enough. I don't think God is up in heaven just measuring all of that all the time. He looks at our heart. We're to pray without ceasing. I haven't mastered that yet. But aren't you glad that we're forgiven and the slate is wiped totally clean and we're clothed in his righteousness? So we have defined forgiveness, but let's see forgiveness demonstrated. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7 through 8 says this, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence. According to the riches of his grace, you are forgiven. 
It isn't just a little bit of forgiveness. He doesn't pour a little bit of the ocean in the cavernous hole that your sins have dug, but he pours a flood tide of forgiveness that completely covers your sin. Dr. Frank DiMaggio wrote that, and I love that. He pours a flood tide of forgiveness that completely covers your sin. Psalms 103 verse 3, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. Psalms 103, 10 through 14, he has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions for us. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18 says, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Forgiveness is demonstrated through the love of God. I don't know how to describe the love of God. I don't know that I can get my human mind around the unconditional love of a creator. I receive it by faith today. There's a lot about faith. We receive it by faith. So forgiveness is demonstrated through the love of God. Romans 5, 6-7, For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I love the words of the song Amazing Love by Chris Tomlin. We sing it in our church. It may be familiar to you. It says, I'm forgiven because you were forsaken. I'm accepted. You were condemned. I'm alive and well. Your spirit is within me because you died and rose again. Amazing love. How can it be? that you, my king, would die for me. Amazing love, I know it's true, and it's my joy to honor you. In all I do, I honor you. Psalms 109.26 has helped me, O Lord my God. Oh, save me according to your mercy. We need to cry out today and say, help me, Lord my God. Save me according to your mercy. We need to cry out for our family members who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ. Save them according to your mercy. We need to cry out for our neighbors and the people that we come in contact with who've never had an encounter with God, who've never prayed to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And we need to say, help them, O Lord my God. Save them according to your mercy. 1 John 4, 9 and 10, In this the love of God was manifested toward us that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. Verse 10, In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. We need forgiveness today because we carry the shame and the reproach of our sins. We need forgiveness to free us from guilt and shame. The enemy comes to bring guilt. The enemy comes to make you ashamed. But I quoted the scripture earlier, but I want to quote it again in Romans 8.1. There is therefore now, now, right now, this moment, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. No condemnation. 
Somebody today needs to hear that you don't have to be condemned. You don't have to carry the guilt and the shame of your sin. Jesus Christ came. He died. He went to Calvary. He took your place. He died your death. He carried his sins, your sins in his own body that you might be forgiven, that you might be restored to a relationship with God, that the great gulf of sin that separated you from God could be bridged by the cross and you could cross that bridge and come into fellowship fellowship with the Father and know him and know the joys of sins forgiven. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. The reason many times we are without strength is because we have allowed the enemy to steal away that joy that God has given to us. Joy doesn't come as a result of your circumstances. Joy comes and flows out of your relationship with the Lord. You can be facing adverse circumstances and know the joy of the Lord. There is therefore now no condemnation. Say that word with me, now. Well, maybe one day God will remove the guilt. Maybe one day God will remove the shame. No, the moment you're forgiven, he deals with the guilt and he deals with the shame. I'm ashamed of things I did in the past, but I don't carry that shame any longer because I know that Jesus Christ has covered those sins with the blood. And listen, if we look into everybody's closet, There's skeletons in that closet. And the enemy will rattle those skeletons ever so often. He'll rattle those things and remind you of what you did in the past. But I've got good news for you. I've got good news. Are you ready for good news? There's blood on those bones. There's blood on those bones. So we don't have to be condemned. We don't have to live with guilt and shame. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us. We love him because he first loved us. It was his love that caused the Holy Spirit to come and to convict us of our sins. It was his love that that caused him to come to a cross and die on a cross and shed his blood so that once and for all, the blood of Jesus could satisfy the demands of sin and now we can be free, we can be forgiven, and we can be restored to fellowship with the Father. I don't know how people live without the Lord. One year ago this week, I walked through a very severe trial. I almost lost my life to covid I was on a ventilator for eight days. I've shared that testimony some on this radio program. I was another eight days in the hospital and I came home and it took me eight weeks to recover. And God began to speak to me through the number eight and he said, I will give you a new beginning. The number eight simply represents resurrection and new beginnings. You have to find the way God speaks to you in the trial. You have to find the way God speaks to you in the storm. And I'm so thankful that I knew the Lord that I could pray and I could talk to him and I could receive his comfort and I could receive his assurance. And in the midst of that trial, I had peace. I had a peace that passes all understanding. That peace comes as a result of our forgiveness. So we need forgiveness today. How do we receive this forgiveness? Acts 3.19, repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Perhaps you're driving today and you're listening to this radio program. Perhaps you're at home today and you're listening to this radio program. And you need to experience the forgiveness that only God can give. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Father, I acknowledge my sins and I confess those sins to you. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Save me and forgive me. And by faith, I receive you and I will live for you as you give me strength in the days ahead. Well, friend, if you prayed that prayer and the Lord's doing the work in your heart, reach out by faith and receive his forgiveness today. Someone asked an elderly Christian lady, does the devil ever trouble you about your past sins? She answered, yes. And when the inquirer asked what she did then, she replied, I just tell him to go east. What do you do if he comes back? 
I tell him to go west. And when he comes back from the west, what do you do then? She said, I just tell him to keep going from east to west. Psalms 103 verse 12 says, as far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Forgiveness is demonstrated at the cross. Jesus took our place. 2 Corinthians 5.21, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And I want to tell you that Jesus Christ died for you. He loves you. And the greatest miracle you can ever experience is the miracle of salvation.